Welcome to Canucks Talk. Josh Elliott Wolf filling in for Jamie Dodd. Thomas Strantz here as well. You can read his work at The Athletic. As we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? And you can text in 650-650, Dunbar Lumber text line. And by the way, Canucks Talk is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at dleamc.com. Drance, how are you? I'm doing well, bud. I'm doing even better with my mic on. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, been a busy weekend for the Canucks. been a busy weekend for me. I've been off on assignment. I actually woke up in Winnipeg this morning at about 4 a.m. Central time. That's the dream. <laughs> Living the dream. Um, so, yeah, nice to be here. Nice to be looking forward to a really big game with really high stakes tonight in Denver as the Canucks take on the Avalanche. Unexpectedly uh, high stakes, some would say. After yesterday's game. Well, I mean, it would have been high stakes regardless, but the stakes are now even higher after yesterday's 17-goal uh, game in Minnesota. That was cr- that was just such a wild piece of, of hockey drama. Did you pause after wild on purpose? Yeah. Okay, I'm proud of you. It was so weird. You know, sometimes, like, the 82-game season is long enough. I like to say sometimes that the 82-game season is long enough that any take anyone's had at any point this offseason has time to be right, like has its moment in the sun. Right. But it's also long enough that you get some really crooked games along the way, no matter what. Um, Canucks have been on the right side of some of them. Uh, You think about that Sharks 10-1 game early in the season. That was like a a ludicrous, like you can't help but laugh, shake your head as you're watching the game. Mm -hmm. Last night was kind of the inverse. Just this, I mean... We've had two games with three hat tricks or more in the last fifty years, and that was one of them. So fun! So fun. <laughs> we should just tier, wild tear. You guys love tears. Let's tear all the goals. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> Seventeen is too many. Um, I don't even know if I can remember them all. Tier one though was the JT Miller power move off the rush. That's that was, what I was going to say. That was number one. Um, the second <clears throat> one underrated. The Brodeen empty net goal. Yeah, that was a, that was a heck of a shot, and yeah. honestly, I kind of felt like the Wild needed it. Well, we'll we'll get into it when we open the whiteboard, but you know, Canucks didn't play badly. It was it's so strange. I thought the Canucks were way better against Minnesota than they had been than they were against Winnipeg, and and frankly, I thought their best period was the third period, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's when everything went against them. So Tough. so it goes. Uh, but let's get into it. It's time for the whiteboard. All right now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? So I was going through the Canucks Talk rundown that was shared with me mm-hmm. by Jamie or Lena or whoever shared it with me initially. Initially, and I haven't—I've never done the whiteboard, and it's all kind of laid out nicely, very nice. But the most Jamie thing ever is written at the top because I can only read it in Jamie's voice. It's your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. Yeah, it's any awesome. anything with what's up in it. I know. Well, it's very much intentional at this point. It's become such a show in-joke. And Jamie just delivers what's up with the level of, you know, juvenile um, precociousness that... uh that's tough to replicate. Yeah, no, I can't. I'm never going to say what's up while hosting because I just can't match it. Um, we'll start with the headlines. Saying it less gargly. Hey, hey, hey! That's off air. That's off air. Off air notes from the producer. Come on. Uh, headlines. We'll start with those. So Canucks lose to the Wild, ten seven. 
yesterday in Minnesota. That's a baseball score, right? Or is that a is that a football? It's score? a football score. Yeah, it's like uh, Canucks should have gone for it on fourth and four late. <laughs> um, yeah, no, uh, I mean the the Kaprizov goal with one and a half seconds left too, right? Just like to like fully realize the fact that I, midway through the third period, I sort of checked and the live over was set at fifteen and a half, and I thought, wow, I've never seen that. And not only did it hit, but if you'd bought an alt over at 16 and a half and like plus 500, too. that would have hit too. Incredible. Just an incredibly bizarre game. So is there anything, because look, like people, people had their issues with it, namely the officiating. And a lot of that, I think, and, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but a lot of that, I think, comes from what happened on Saturday, which I think objectively was kind of a poorly officiated game. Yep. And then you bleed into yesterday's game. And if you're a Canucks fan, you look at it and you're like, man, Minnesota got four or five on threes. But I, w- I was kind of saying to you off air, it's just so many of those calls, aside from the Elias Lindholm roughing, or roughing one, yeah. were just unquestionable. High sticking well, over the glass. Some of them were right? automatic. Yeah. Like you don't have a choice when a player, you know, tracking back into the defensive zone throws a backhander 50 feet over the glass with moderate pressure on them like that that's a penalty there's no you don't even have discretion mm-hmm. you don't have discretion when Teddy Bluger's stick gets up like that you know uh, the Lindholm call was bad it was also a makeup call i mean that's yeah. the other thing people like are sharing the video out of context it's like we all knew <laughs> there was going to be a makeup call for the Myers sequence earlier on, and Lindholm gave them an opportunity. Like, it's a bad call. It shouldn't be called. Don't get me wrong. I, I think that's a terrible way to go five on three. But, you you know, you knew watching the game that the Canucks were going to get the next whistle in that moment. Like, mm-hmm. you knew before the – we all watch hockey. Here's the thing to note, too. So, the Canucks – entered the week like a week ago today the Canucks had the fourth most or the fourth highest gap between the amount of penalties they'd drawn and the amount of times they'd been assessed a penalty in the NHL they were like plus 22 in net uh, penalties over the course of the season for the most part this team has not had a bad whistle okay this team has not been like this team has not drawn fewer penalties than they should given their control of games now, here's the thing about penalties. Penalties beget penalties. Like, that's the thing to, that's important to note. A high rate of penalties drawn tends to correlate on a team level with a high rate of penalties taken. Why? We all know why. Makeup calls. Mm-hmm. If you're annoyed by the arbitrary way in which NHL games are officiated, I hear you. I feel you. You're right. You know? But there's there's just simply no evidence that this team has had a bad whistle what I do think's happened, and what Rick Tockett did talk about, was over the course of the last week, things have begun to go against the Canucks. Like, they've taken eight more penalties than they've drawn in the last week. Now they're just a top 10 team in terms of power, uh, net penalty differential as opposed to where they were a week ago. And, I, I mean, I think there's a couple things that that reflects. Number one, though, number one, and I think this is an important thing. We talk a lot about late in the season – when games really matter f- to teams, like the Wild are in a playoff race, the Jets are scraping and clawing, not just to catch the Canucks for first in the Pacific or first in the West, but you know to get to secure their own favorable matchups in the Central Division. 
what does it mean when a target actually goes on a team's back? Well, guess what? It means that you start to take some liberties. Mm -hmm. They're going to be happy to gum up your games, right? They're going to be happy to let special teams be decisive against you. And they're going to sell calls. They're going to up the amount of penalties called generally. Because if you, they're calling them on you, they're going to call them against you too. That's how this works. Mathematically. Like, <laughs> mathematically, yes. penalties are correlated. And and you saw that. Like, you saw the Jets come in, throw some big hits, sell some calls, try to make the power play decisive. It was, right? They got the two big power play goals. And then you saw the Wild do an even better job of it as a more limited team on Monday morning. And, and so you kind of need to look at this and sort of refocus your perspective. Like, we're going to see a lot of games like this. We're going to see a ton of teams come in and be like, okay, this Canucks team, oh, man, they're pretty big on the back end. They're pretty skilled up front. That goalie's excellent. Mm -hmm. But we think we can punish them on the penalty kill. Yeah. So let's make the game – Let's. we're going to try and make the game decided in that part of the battlefield that they're going to be weakest in. That's it. Like, buckle up. You're going to see a lot more games like this. And this team is to figure out how to be a lot harder to frustrate. I'm true. Right? An easy, an, a team that's easy to frustrate, a team that can be frustrated, that's a team that's not long for the playoffs. And we've seen it in the last couple games. This has been the, – the composure has been tested, right, in multiple moments in both of these games, yesterday and in Winnipeg. And the emotional fortitude – just doesn't really seem to be there with this team right now. And, and to your point, like once you get to the playoffs, like this is this is turned up to eleven. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's these these you're going to be tested so much more as the season goes on. I want to be clear. I don't know that this team's emotional fortitude's not there. It's been there most of the it's season. It's been there all season. Um, but we haven't seen things like really snowball against this team. Mm -hmm. You haven't seen stretches like a five minute stretch like we saw yesterday against the wild you know we haven't this team frankly has not had to dust themselves off after something like that yet they really haven't um first time they'd blown a lead in regulation right like it, it so this team hasn't really faced a punch like that they haven't they, they haven't tested their jaw on a punch like that yeah and tonight's a really good sort of tonight's a really interesting spot for that bounce back to have to take place given that it's you know, an avalanche team that I think is a really tough matchup for a Canucks team that can struggle against the rush, by the way, as we saw as well over the weekend. And not only do the avalanche play in a way that theoretically should work well against the Canucks, the Canucks are also coming off a back or on the second half of a back to back altitude. Colorado did not play yesterday. So theoretically everything oh. leading up to this is a schedule loss. This is this is schedule loss territory for sure and I'd add the one the game in Seattle on Thursday is brutal, right? The, the Kraken don't play today or tomorrow. They're going to mm -hmm. be coming off a two days rest. Canucks will be finishing, um, you know, a, a four and six and a three and four uh, at Climate Pledge on Thursday. So this is a really interesting week, like a really interesting pivot point week. And and I want to bring up the other headline, which is, you know, this this does matter, right? Mm -hmm. The Canucks have 25 games left, and they're sitting at 80 points. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable stuff, right? I mean, yeah. you know, if you get – so 25 games left, that's 50 available points. If you produce at, you know, a .32 uh, points clip 
0.32 point percentage clip the rest of the way, which, by the way, is the pace of a 52-point team, you're going to get 96 points and yeah. be in the playoffs. You'll be fine. It's like, that's over. This, is, this team's going to the playoffs. But, like this team, for example, over their last 10 games, right? Which, which it basically, the all-star break plus the, the Blues loss in overtime and the Columbus win in overtime, right? So, a pretty successful run. I mean, you've had the Boston game in there. You've had these two consecutive losses. But for the most part, that's been a nice stretch for the team. They've got 12 points in those 10 games. Well, if you extrapolate that 0.6 point percentage over the course of the club's remaining 25, well, you get 30 points, okay? That's 110. 110 on the season. Very good. Pretty good. Here's the problem, though. The Jets have 30 games left. Or, sorry, the Jets. The Oilers have 30 games left. Mm -hmm. And if they continue to plow along at the point percentage that they've amassed under Knobloch... Yeah, it's been crazy. They get to 114. Yeah. Like, you have to actually do better than the Canucks have done since the All-Star break to leave no doubt, right? And I don't want to obscure the fact that the club deserves an enormous amount of credit for being in this spot, but there is still something to achieve here over the next 25, right? I don't think you want Game 80 against the Oilers to matter, and you do need to play better. You do need better results than this team has had over the course of their last 10 games the rest of the way. Uh, if they're going to get to that game 80 against the Oilers and have it not be a sweat. And we'll get into, so there were some interesting changes over the weekend in the playoff forecast, and we'll get into, into that later in the whiteboard. But yeah, it's Edmonton isn't going away right now, and now they're kind of coming up on your heels quicker than uh, you might have hoped. Uh, did Anything else in headlines or broadsheet? Um, no, I think we can move on. Okay, so broadsheet, there isn't too much going on. Uh, Friedman did mention on the Jeff Merrick show in regards to Chris Tanev and Noah oh, Hannafin. Archdeep Baines, sorry. We do have to say Archdeep Baines, yes. according to Dan Murphy, will make his NHL debut in Colorado tonight. Uh, pretty interesting opportunity. Tough spot to come in, without question. I'm really surprised he's playing, to yeah. be honest. But but you know what? This guy's had two years of pro experience. I mean, this isn't you know a first-year... Um, Wide-eyed, bushy-tailed <laughs> sort of guy. This is this guy's been through it. Um, you know, he's 23, 24 now. Like, he's, you know, in his mid-20s at this point. Really versatile player. If you haven't seen Arshdeep Baines play, the thing to watch for is this guy has this sick collection of spin passes. And early on in, like, his dub career, he used it purely to create offense. But now he uses it really intelligently to, like, protect the puck and just like clear the zone or like make sort of sharper plays, but his ability to protect the puck with his body, um, his intelligence as a passer, that's some stuff for fans to like, if he, if, if it clicks for him tonight, if, if he has a strong game, it's going to be because he moves the puck and connects play. Well, that's what he's expert level at. That's what he's already NHL level at. And I'm curious to see how it plays out. Really excited to see him in the lineup tonight. But again, I am I am surprised that, hey, back-to-back in Colorado, it's a tough spot to go in, but we'll see how he responds. In regards to the broadsheet, uh, Friedman, st- uh, status quo on Chris Tanev. Calgary's still waiting for a first-round pick to be on the table. Obviously hasn't happened yet. If it was, he probably would not be in Calgary right now. Yep. And uh, Noah Hannafin stuff, he did mention it's building, but still kind of waiting for more of a pressure point for a team to probably 
give up more of a package than mm. what's on the table right now. Well, with Boston now heavily being being heavily rumored as as they love to do their old like buy at the deadline thing, right? Yeah. So pretty interesting on that stuff. I want one ten of note. This is just me, and this is just idle speculation. But I I know the Canucks love the guy. Mm-hmm. I know they were in on it. Obviously, in in connection with them acquiring Elias Lindholm. If the Canucks sustain a, a sort of run of losses here, if the penalty kill continues to be a sore point, as it was this weekend, if the rush defense struggles the way it did this weekend, I, I'll I'll be really curious to see if the Canucks get motivated right. to, so, maybe, to maybe come closer to meeting Calgary's price. We talk about pressure points, and for a lot of teams, it's like, hey, the deadline, and uh, that creates movement, but could a pressure point for the Canucks be... You've been you've had so many things go in your way all season. If things stop going your way for a little bit, do you feel more pressure to maybe add a Chris Tanev ahead of the deadline? The only other thing of note, Rick Dollywell had today, uh, Canucks continuing to work out Phil Kessel, but it's a process. So no games in Abbotsford for old Philly this week. Yeah. One thing I'd say is after Garland left the lineup, um, briefly in the second period, returned in the third. I you know I started sort of thinking about it. I'm like, okay, this bottom six that was such an engine for this team, you know, when when it was at its best, it, they were rolling Dakota Joshua out. Mm-hmm. You know, they say week to week. We don't know the nature of the injury, but like a fracture, if it's a fracture, it's usually four to six weeks. If you look at like other hand fractures around the league, even just this season, guys like Thomas Shabbat and and David Savard now. Again, we don't know the nature of the injury, so hopefully it's more expedited than that, but this could be a while. Uh, centered by Teddy Bluger, he's still there. Mm-hmm. Connor Garland, who luckily appears to have escaped the worst, but for a brief moment it was easy to imagine that he might not have been in the lineup tonight. Rick Tockett, by the way, has already confirmed that he'll play. And then that fourth line, like at his best, Lafferty, who's kind of, his production's dried up in a significant way. Mm-hmm. Um Neil Zoma. No, Pew Suter. Pew Suter was the fourth line center for a large stretch. He's now he's now playing relief in the top six. And Niels Hoaglander, who's also been bumped up the lineup. Like you have one guy who struggles in Ilya Mikheyev. You know, a couple injuries compound, and you have to promote some of the guys from your bottom six up into your top six. And all of a sudden, you're playing the Minnesota Wild. You score seven goals and not a single point from a bottom six forward. Not a single point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's just depth is such a fickle thing. Yeah, and they it felt like they had such a it was obviously such a great mix on that third line. They were playing so well, but that, yeah, one piece goes out and you got to move pieces up the lineup, yep. and it all it all gets shifted uh, into lineup notes. So obviously, Baines getting in the lineup tonight. Talkett didn't mention who would be coming out. I feel like the easy answer is Phil DiGiuseppe. based on he, he played nine minutes yesterday. I think isn't getting PK time right now. Um, it's hard to see anyone else coming out. Maybe Sam Lafferty. Maybe Sam Lafferty. But either way, someone on that fourth line yeah. is uh, is likely. Demko getting the start, obviously, after Casey DeSmith yesterday. And as you mentioned, Connor Garland, after missing about 10 minutes in the second period, yep. missed the rest of the second period after getting a shot to the right knee, missed a bit of the third, but came back out. He's uh, good to go tonight, according to Rick Tockett. Playoff forecast. So this is uh, this is where stuff got interesting over the weekend. Mm. So Canucks lose to the Jets, lose to the Wild. Edmonton beats the Dallas Stars in overtime, and then they beat the Coyotes yesterday. 
So before the weekend, here here was the percentages to win the Pacific Division. Canucks were at 78, Edmonton was at 11, Vegas at 10. After the weekend, the Canucks have dropped 16 percentage points. They're at 62, Edmonton up to 23, Vegas still at 10. Yeah, Uh, look... The, the the I I honestly think ten underrates Vegas too because it's a what a ten point gap. Mm-hmm. What's the games played difference? I, I don't know it off my head, but uh, I'm sure the Canucks. Vegas has two games in hand on the Canucks. Yeah, the Canucks have played more than everybody. Uh, the, they won't be level with the Oilers in games played until like April 11th. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> I know, you know the Oilers have like seven back to backs throughout the rest of the season or something crazy like that. But yeah, it's still going to take a while. They just have they have so many games to make up. Yeah, so many games to make up, and they have a head to head. And that's the thing with Vegas. Vegas has three head to heads. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're if you're the Golden Knights, not that it works like this, but if you're the Golden Knights, and that's a team with championship DNA, literally the defending champs, in your head you're like they're not ahead of us. Mm-hmm. We control that. We have two games in hand plus three games against them. Then you're tied. That's that's the gap. Yeah. You know, like I don't know, man. I would. I won't. We haven't seen Vegas. Vegas clearly a sleeping giant, hibernating giant, a uh, half giant, half bear. The Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah. Man bear pig. Man bear pig. <laughs> Las Vegas man bear pig. Um. But at some point, like if they wake up, we all know how scary that team is, right? Like I think there's an argument. There's an argument for me that they're the best team in the NHL. I would say when healthy, to me, they're the they're the team I picked to win the cup. Okay. But at no point in this season have they looked like an elite team, and I think we just are giving them the benefit of the doubt, as we should, by the way. Yeah. Um, that they're going to figure it out. Would it stun you if they like wake up over the course of the next week and a half and are like, oh, man, if we really like put our – you know, foot to the ground here. We, we got a shot. You know, I, I, this is going to be more interesting. I've been saying it all year. I've been saying all year. I think the Edmonton catching Vancouver thing is going to be more interesting than people realize. So, um, yep, we'll keep tracking it. All right, uh, Vegas odds, uh, gambling odds. Canucks open in Colorado as plus one thirty underdogs. Steam on the Canucks side. The market favors the Canucks. They're up to plus 120. Avs minus 145 favorites. That's a lot of respect for the Canucks. Yeah. They're the tired team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got Demko and Nett, but that's that. a lot of respect against uh, one of the best teams in the league in the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, over-under set at 6.5 with Steam plus 102 on the under uh, as a consensus. And then, you know, I, I think the, the overall Vegas odds, too... In I just wanted to quickly touch on the futures odds across the board in the Pacific Division. A little bit of movement there, but the Canucks are still minus three thirty-two favorites. So no, there's not even value there, given that Dom's model would call them a sixty percent favorite, yeah. and they're priced out here with an implied probability closer to uh, a three quarters um, favorite here. Plus 405 on the Oilers, plus 700 on Vegas. I so. did want to mention real quick as well that, uh, according to Dom's model, Dallas has surpassed the Canucks in projected points for first in the Western mm. Conference as well. Dallas at 111. Don't Canucks worry about that. Dallas is very good. <laughs> Dallas is so good. <laughs> I love Dallas. Sure. Okay. <laughs> this is Canucks Talk. I'm Josh Elliott Wolf filling in for Jamie Dodd. Thomas Drantz here, as always. On the other side, uh, we'll keep the Canucks Talk rolling on here on Sportsnet 650.